Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I am your host, Dr. Karen Litzy, owner of Karen Litzy Physical Therapy, located in New York City. And before we get to today's episode, I want to introduce you to our sponsor, Jane, a clinic management software and EMR with a human touch. This is the EMR I've been using since like 2018. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Including in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even on Saturdays. So let me tell you a very quick story. Just this past Saturday, I was having a problem with my Jane account And this is the best part, you guys. If you live on the East Coast, they're on West Coast time. So I was like, oh my gosh, they're never going to be open. Nope, they are open for us East Coasters. So it was amazing. I had a problem. I called up, spoke to a lovely woman. I said, this is the problem I'm having. And she said, without missing a beat, okay, go to this section of Jane. She walked me through it, literally corrected the problem in less than five minutes. And I am not exaggerating. That is exactly what happened. So if you switch to Jane, you have that level of help and of support by phone, email, chat, whenever you need it. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. And if you'd like some extra advice along the way, you can tap into a lovely community of practitioners, clinic owners, and front desk staff through Jane's community Facebook group. If you are interested in making the switch to Jane, head to janeapp slash switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And make sure you mention my code LITZY1MO, that's L-I-T-Z-Y, the number one, M is in Mary O, at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. And all of that information, you guys, it's in the show notes, so whatever platform you're listening on, you can go, you can click onto the link to get your uh, free one-on-one demo with a team member and my code. So a big thank you to Jane. And again, thank you for tuning in and listening. And let's get to today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, owner of Karen Litzy Physical Therapy, located in New York City. And today, I'm really excited to have on a repeat guest, uh, Tavana Boggs. She is a physical therapist turned master certified life and business coach. And just when she was practicing in clinics and hospitals, coaches, consultants, and experts go to Tavana, when their business isn't moving like it should, or it hurts when they try to move it. I love that. Um, And today we're going to be talking about minimalist marketing. So how to get more by doing less. I mean, who doesn't want to do that? So Tavana, welcome back to the podcast. It has been a, a good many years, so I'm happy to see you. I'm so happy to be here talking to you again, Karen. Thanks for having me. Of course. So refresh our memories. Tell us what you've been up to since what, 2019, I think, right? Yeah. I think it's been that long. Yeah. For sure. I think so too. 
Well, since 2019, as, as it said, I realized after working with coaches and experts from zero to 2.2 million in their business that I was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm just doing physical therapy on people's businesses. And, you know, most people come to us when they're in pain or when something's not moving at all, AKA frozen shoulder. And so I was like, oh, that's how I can describe what I've been doing for people. Because my biggest thing is just to figure out why is your business not moving or why does it hurt when it moves? Because sometimes, especially when I work with people that are in six and seven figures, they figured out how to make their business move. It just is not the most pleasant thing for them. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of what, what I do with them. And from that, our topic from today was born this concept that I created called minimalist marketing. And so I kind of figured out about that living here in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, where it's just my goal to do less and get better <laughs> results. Yeah, I love it. And, and isn't that, again, that's kind of what we want to do for our patients as well. We want to do less, empower them to do more and help them get results. So it just makes so much sense. Now, do you miss it? Do you miss working with patients? <laughs> it's true time. Not really. Okay. <laughs> not, not, not really. I think because like I said, when I realized that I just transferred mm -hmm. what I was doing from there to here, I still get to use a lot of the critical thinking, uh, looking at the different systems of the business, what makes it move, what makes it function. And so I really still am doing physical therapy, just not with the, the human body, but the business body, if, if we can talk about it like that. Yeah, I think that's great. You're still, it's like you're still doing it all. You're just not doing it all on a person, but you're still using all those skills. And I think it's important for other people to hear that because some people think, well, if you're not treating patients, then you're not using your skills. What'd you go to all that schooling for? And I push, I, I push back on that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I think especially because I tend to work with experts and a lot of people come to me after they're like, yeah, I think I'm complete with patient care, but I'm not done working. I still mm -hmm. have so much to offer the, the community, the profession. They come and say like, how can I use these skills and do something else? Like I have one client who she had become, she had two clinics, I think it was, and she had become masterful at figuring out how to get reimbursed like her by the insurance companies. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Hey, that's something that people don't know how to do. They struggle to do it all the time. Why don't we take that expertise and leverage it into your next chapter? Mm -hmm. And, and that was a springboard for which it was something she was already doing. And we just leveraged it to do something else. And so right. I think to your point, a lot of us are not really thinking about sometimes the non-clinical skills that we're using that could be le leveraged for the next chapter of our careers. And sometimes it is just like you're going to be teaching at um, CSM. Sometimes it is the clinical skills that we go back and we offer to the next generation of clinicians. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's get into it. What is minimalist marketing? Because I would like to do that. Well, minimalist marketing was born from just looking at that. I feel like when 
especially when coaches or experts go into, or anybody who's a service provider or professional, and they say, well, I'm going to have my own business. I'm going to be self-employed. And then we have to figure out how to get clients, right? What I think I started to see, especially over the last three years, was that everybody and their mother went to social media Mm -hmm. to try to market and get clients. And the challenge that I found with that, especially since we are the CEO, the administrative assistant, the clinician, the marketing and sales department and the customer service rep, like we're wearing all of these hats, right? People were getting burned out from their business. Like a lot of people left the clinics, the hospitals and whatever to start their business because they were burned out during that time. And then they were burning out in their business. But the reason they were burning out in their business from my vantage point was they already took on five or six hats as a business owner. And then in marketing, they were trying to market like they saw content creators and influencers market. And so even if we, and I pick on social media a lot because that's just what is most uh, prevalent right now. But what I see is like, if we just even think about what it's what is required to create one post or one reel on the platform, you have to come up with the concept, you have to have the trending audio, you have to come up with the graphic, which means we're on either... Canva or we're on CapCut, we have to create the graphic, then we have to write the caption, we have to add hashtags if we're going to do that. And so that's a lot of activity and a lot of effort for Mm -hmm. one post for that for most people is not going to be seen because the algorithm is only showing stuff to 1% of or or 10% of whoever's in your audience. Mm -hmm. And so if people are taking all this time to think that they're going to create content, but they haven't simultaneously or before created an audience, built an audience, nobody's seeing it. And so one of the things that I just looked at was like, why are all of these experts so frustrated and tired and burned out? And it was because they were trying to play the wrong game. And so that's how minimalist marketing was born because I tell people I'm not against social media. Mm -hmm. I just think we need to use it in a way that's going to benefit us. And so most people think that social media is what's going to attract, um, attract clients, attract patients, but that's not where social media is placed for most of us. When you are really good at what you do, most of the time we need to make sure that somebody finds out about us and then we use social media to nurture or build rapport and build that relationship with somebody. That's how I help clients do what I call bypass the algorithm. We don't have to hack it. We don't have to figure out all the tricks. If somebody already knows you from somewhere, then they're actually looking for your stuff. Then we don't have to play the games with the algorithm. Right. And I think the other thing that is important to remember is the people who are the influencers or the um, social, like, social media experts like this is this is their job and if they're at that level guess what they have a team that's doing the editing that's helping to come up with concepts so they all, all they might have to do is just film yeah 100%. and then they have someone else to do all the other work but like you said before you're coming out you have your own clinic 
you're the clinician, you're the marketing expert, you're the CEO, the CFO, the COO, the CTO, you're everything, right? Like, who are we kidding here? Who has time to take, I don't know, an hour to do a reel? One? Yeah. And and, and it might be more than that. It's it's definitely more than that. Uh, because I had a client, we we literally clocked her hours and she was doing 16 plus hours a week on marketing. Whoa. And, and on marketing, we mean social media marketing because there's more than one form. Yeah. And she was not getting, she just wasn't getting clients. And so Oof. I offered this concept to her and we changed a few things and we used a lot of what I call leverage and using other people's platforms to, to spread the word about what she was doing. And she got it down to six hours and started getting clients again. And so I think is really powerful to understand the game that you're playing. Like you said, the people that are the social media marketers, the social media gurus and experts, it's their job to play with the mm -hmm. platform. It's their job to figure out the hacks and the tricks and things like that. And we have to be, we have to think about who their audience is. So if we're a clinician or coach or expert or whatever, and we're on a platform, we're there oftentimes to learn how to build our business, how to grow our business. But most of the time we're then going off and serving the greater community, the layperson, the right. public, they are not on social media typically scrolling to be sold to, especially if it's a high ticket item. They maybe want a low ticket something, a template, they might buy a book or but there if you're doing something that's hand on hands on that's going to cost few hundred to a few thousand dollars, mm -hmm. that's not what they're on that platform doing. And so we have to be careful who we're learning from and mm -hmm. making sure that our marketing is matching the business model and the population, the target market that we're trying to serve. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So how do we do it? So we know that, uh, let's, let's get to it here. So we know being consistent on social media might actually keep you from getting those clients right? Mm -hmm. So how, how can we do this minimalist marketing, doing less to find more clients? Yeah. I mean, I, I break it down into something I call the ABCs of impact because I like mm -hmm. to keep things simple. Mm -hmm. So the, the A in the ABCs of impact is attract. You have to have a way to attract people into your world, the right people that either need your services or have direct access to the people that need your services. And the way that I recommend doing that for those of us who are in the expert category is to get on other people's platforms. This is a perfect example of this. You've done a marvelous job over the years of growing this community, growing this audience of people. And we want to find those people who has the community, who has the audience that needs our content. And so we do that. That's the, to me, that's the best way because we need, we need to use leverage because time is the most precious resource that we have. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So we get on other people's platforms, whether it's a podcast, it could be somebody's stage. You're going to speak at CSM. That's one. Um, it could be a local kind of thing, a lunch and learn, meet and greet, any kind, anything like that. Mm -hmm. That's the best way, in my opinion, to attract people into your world. And then once you have attracted them, then we go to B, which is build rapport and build relationships with those people. And that's where I said social media for most of us, that's the seat 
that it's in, in a build rapport, build a relationship. That's where you get to show how do you do what you do? What makes you stand out from everybody else? Um, and then the next part of that is convert at some point you have to be able to move the person from interested in working with you to invested in working with you. And that's a little bit of a mix between marketing and sales. We're starting to go mm -hmm. into the sales process, but then also D for deliver. And you have to deliver what you sold, which I think also becomes part of the best marketing because once you deliver great results with your clients and your patients, they go sing your praises from the rooftop. Mm -hmm. And I think in that place, sometimes we drop the ball in figuring out how to facilitate that for our patients and our clients. You know, they want to talk about us, but maybe they don't know how. So those are the, the ABCs of impact, which is part of the market minimalist marketing concept. And then of course, E evaluate. That's another key one. It's like, I think what a lot of people do is they start some kind of strategy, whatever it is, they all work. Otherwise people wouldn't use them. Mm -hmm. And they just say it didn't work. And what I would offer is that we need to break that down and really be more specific about what part or what parts of it didn't work so that we can really figure out like, oh, maybe you just need to tweak a little something. So mm -hmm. if I'm talking about the ABCs of impact, maybe most of the time I see coaches and experts in particular service providers, they had they're really great at building rapport, perhaps they may be really great at delivering services, but not so great at getting in front of new people or the right people, or not so great at uh, closing the sale, especially if they're doing cash based services. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. I experience that every once in a while myself. Now, I have a question following up on the A or the attract, right? So getting on other people's platforms. Sometimes that's not easy. So what advice do you have for people, especially if maybe they're a little more introverted or they're like, oh, I don't I don't want to keep putting myself out there. What if I keep getting rejected? You know, I mean, those natural human experiences and feelings that we have. So what advice do you have for people for getting onto those other people's platforms? Mm -hmm. Well, there's two ways, really. And I think the best way ever is through your, your network, your personal or professional network, because the people already know, like, and trust you, they want you to win. They want to help you. And so closed mouths don't get fed. If you don't talk to the people that already know, like, trust and love you, mm -hmm. then, you know, I think if you're worried about rejection, that's probably the place that I would start. And I actually like for introverts, I actually like uh, the platforms where you can go pitch to be on podcasts because then you don't necessarily have to expend a lot of energy exchange with other human beings because that's what drains the the battery of the introvert where you have to have so many conversations with people telling them what you do. No, you just fill out the forms or you go on Facebook groups. There are certain Facebook groups that are just for podcasters who may be looking for guests. So mm -hmm. I think especially for introverts, I love things like that because you get to manage your energy better. You get to go in you go in as long as you can tolerate or manage and you come out versus mm -hmm. if you were perhaps to go to a networking event, then it's one of those things you got to get yourself psyched up to go and you got to get dressed and you got to drive and you're there and you're like, have I been here long enough? Have I talked to enough people? Things like right. that. So I really like those things, Facebook groups and uh, platforms where you can pitch to be on podcast. And I think 
you were talking about introverts and extroverts, but I think somebody might be listening to this and saying, well, what if I'm new? And why would they trust me and things like that? I mean, of course, we have a lot of credibility just from our degrees. Mm -hmm. But I think when you're really, really clear about your messaging and you're really clear about your mission, that will make you stand out heads and tails over other people. I agree. And what I will also say, as a podcast host who gets pitches probably 20 or 30 a week, every week, um, there are certain things you want to include in your pitch. And that is, you know, like you said, maybe you're coming from a friend of a friend. Mention that, you know, because that will make a difference. So if I'm reading that pitch, that makes a difference. Listen to some of the episodes. You don't have to listen to the whole back catalog, but listen to like five or 10 episodes so that you kind of understand the flow and you kind of, and you know what kind of people they're interviewing. Um, you want and me then, to, uh, can I give a yeah. cheat code for that? Yes. Okay. So I listened to the last, the most recent two mm-hmm. and I scroll back through to see who else is in the same genre as me. And Smart. I listened to that one so that I can come in from what didn't they talk about? What did they miss? Where should, where can I uh, add to the conversation or where did they leave off? So that if I'm going to pitch someone, I'm like, okay, I know you talked to so-and-so about this. Here's where I would love to take the conversation. So that way you can demonstrate where you're adding value, even if you don't have any other big name podcasts that you've been on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you want to know what you're good at and see what you can add to the conversation. That makes a huge difference. And also, you know, if you've been on other podcasts, you can include that. If you have any other media hits that you've gotten, you can include that and also include what you want to talk about and be very clear about it. You know, don't say, I want to go on and talk about marketing. Um, All right. Like, you, like that's such a cool. big category. Cool. That would be like me saying, I want to go on your podcast and talk about pain. Cool. Cause that's like a big gigantic topic, you know? So the more specific you are, like you are like minimalist marketing automatically. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to learn how to do that. Right. So it's like, you want to make sure that when you're going on your pitching, that you're really clear, like you said, about what you do, who you are, your mission, your values, because that comes through even in a pitch. And to try not to, I mean, I understand we're all trying to save time in this world, but if you're cutting and pasting, just do a quick audit before you hit the send button. Because oh, no. no podcast host wants to get a pitch for another podcast because you just oh, kind of cut and paste. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So those are just some little tips for that attraction part because it, it makes a difference. And like you said, we're trying to introduce ourselves to this person's community. And Mm -hmm. if that podcast host loves you, guess what? They're going to, they're going to have you on again, or they're going to say, you know something, you should go on this podcast. You should talk to this person. And all of a sudden, you're just rolling in those different podcasts, or maybe it's an Instagram live, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, but it's a great way for you to get in front of so many audiences and just start to build. Yeah, I think I think that's really, really great advice. And the it's almost like so I talk about the Beyonce content creation method because I think she's just a smart businesswoman. No. And I think about <laughs> I just think about the Coachella, if you've ever seen Netflix, where she was doing a documentary of that. And amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And also she worked for eight months to get to do those two shows that she then sold to Netflix and made more money off of. But the point I'm making here, because she just finished one of her world tours or whatever, mm -hmm. is she has a set list. It's a tour. They, they practice really, really hard for that show. And then they take it around to other, uh, for two other cities around the world. They don't create a new show for each city. Of course, there might be little changes that they make, obviously, mm -hmm. for, you know, to be more uh, culturally aware or what have you, but they're using the same set list. And so I think it's really important and really smart because, you know, my favorite word is leverage and minimalism mm -hmm. is like, you have some soap boxes that you like to get on that are directly related to a person making a decision to work with you. And so get on your soapbox, figure out what is your angle that you want to talk about. Your set list would be your talking points, the main things that people need to understand about working with you and why you're different and why you do the work that you do and how it can help them and why it's different and thus and so forth. And take that to other people's platforms because again, time is the most precious resource we have. And mm -hmm. when we're wearing six or seven hats as the solopreneur or the CEO business owner of the clinic, and we we have to, we, we're responsible for bringing in the business. We got to be smart about this. And yeah. so that's why I'm on my soapbox about minimalist marketing and stop doing the most. And let's just do less and do it better and do it smarter. And by the by, I'm glad that you definitely brought up, have your talking points. It's okay to go onto a podcast and say, this is what I want to talk about. And here are the talking points I really want to hit because as a host, boy, it really makes the host's life a lot easier. And the host then can say, okay, as I'm doing my research, I'm going to keep that in mind, that these are the things they want to hit. And so in the end, it only makes you as the guest look better, which will then the listeners will say, this person's awesome. They sound really great. They really sound like they know their stuff. Uh, how do I get in touch with them? right? Yeah. So it makes a huge, huge difference. So I love that as a way for you to find those clients and getting onto other people's platforms. It's great. And one other thing that I will say on getting on other people's platforms, and I'm sure you will agree with this, is you had best make sure that your call to action is solid. So at the end of this interview, I'm going to say to Tavana, hey, where can people find you if they want to learn more? And it should not be, um, well, you, well, you can, if you want, you know, you can go to my Instagram page and this is my Instagram handle or, you know, or you can just like go to my website or you can just Google my name. No, 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 no. You want to have your call to action needs to be tight. It, like Tavana might say, yeah, I would love to hear from people who are really interested in minimalist marketing so they can do less and get more. Here's how to find me. 
Don't you agree? That was like, perfect. Isn't it, but isn't it the worst when people are like, oh, um, I, as if like, you know, you know, when you're at a restaurant and the, the waiter comes over and asks what you want and people are like, oh, I, this is a Jerry, it's a Jerry Seinfeld joke. He's like, people come over and people be like, oh, I don't, as if they're surprised a waiter is asking them what they want to eat at a restaurant. <laughs> Credit to Jerry Seinfeld. It's the same thing. Like you should not be surprised as a guest at the end that the host is like, where can people get in touch with you? A hundred percent. I mean, I think it's just people think that it's just so easy that, oh, I'm going to get on other people's platforms and we're breaking down that there's different aspects to it. And oh, okay, if I get on somebody's platform that has lots and lots of followers, then therefore I should get clients or I should be able to build my list or I should get more followers. And this goes back to what I was saying in the evaluate part of the, the ABCs of impact. It's like, okay, say you do do what we ask and we say get on the other person's platform. Then if you don't get the result that you were looking for, there are there are steps to this thing. So maybe you got on, but maybe you didn't have your talking points as polished as they could have been. Or maybe you got on and maybe you stumbled on the call to action. It doesn't mean that getting on other people's platforms doesn't work. It just means that you have some more work to do. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Okay. So now we talked about kind of how to um, do, oh no, how to do less and, and uh, find more clients. So now how about, how can you be that person other people want to hire? For those people watching on YouTube right now, I'm getting hit in the face by my cat's tail. Great. <laughs> so Go ahead. Oliver just wants to say hi. Pardon, (laughs) pardon the interruption by the big orange cat. Okay. So how can you be someone that people want to hire? So you you're in front of people, you're doing the work. How can, how can you be that person? I think it just means coming down to being confident about who you are in the world and what you can do. I think so often we are afraid to just draw a line in the sand for our people and say, these are the people that I serve and this is how I serve them. I don't care what anybody else is doing in the world. I actually have clients that are, one of my best clients is a social media manager. We talk about this all the time and she's on her side of the line and I'm on my side of the line. There's space for both of us. And I'm very clear about my approach and why I take that approach and who the approach works best for. Mm -hmm. In particular, people who want to build boutique lifestyle businesses where they're not trying to have multiple clinics. They're not trying to have a bunch of team members. They want a business where they can be like me if they want to and live Mm -hmm. anywhere in the world. That's who I'm serving. And that's what, that's who this works the best for. So because I'm very clear and confident about that, I can stand right next to her and I can have her come to me and say, hey, can you help me? You know, I have other clients, one who's a a physical therapist who has over 200,000 social media followers, who's my client, because I'm very clear about what my magic and my genius is. And so I think that when you stay rooted in that and you believe in yourself and your mission and you're clear about what you can do, in the big world of marketing, people want to work with you. 
You know, I think the other part is to also be a human and remember that we are humans separated by the computer screen. So I think when we take a stand for our people, we remember what we're here to do. And we remember that the person on the other side is a human too. Mm -hmm. People want to work with you. Yeah. Yeah. People need connection. So the more you can put yourself out there, show some vulnerability, um, be a human being, you're going to connect with the people who need to connect with you. Because like you said, you're not out here trying to be everything for everyone. Right. right. Like you have a very specific lane. You have a very specific customer. And that is where you want to be, because that's probably I'm assuming where you get the most enjoyment out of your work is working with those ideal your ideal clients. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I think it it took a while to find that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you're you're watching or listening to this and you're like, well, but I can help everybody, right? I think that I, it took me a long time to break that after starting in a general orthopedic clinic mm-hmm. and then working in a hospital where I could work with all the diagnoses for 13 years. It was like, well, but I can treat everybody. Yeah, but now it's my business and I don't have to. Right. It's like, so, you, you could. All right. You could, but you don't have to. And I think right. that that is one of the things that when I work with healthcare professionals that we have to break ourselves mm-hmm. of the most. That and working, I just was talking to a client where she's like, I have all this white space on my calendar and I keep trying to fill it up because I don't think I'm doing enough. And I was like, you won, game over. That's the whole point. You didn't want to have to work so many hours right. and you did that. And it's just like unlearning that I have to work all the time, hustle all the time. And I have to see all the people just because you can, doesn't mean you should, or that you have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that white space, that's real. That can be really stressful, you know, for people really stressful. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm beginning to get over that now, you know, and realizing like, you know, I probably could take a full half day or day off. And actually, I'm still getting stuff done, if not more stuff done, because mm-hmm. now I have that space to think and to be um, creative and original and and or maybe I just want to go to the gym and go for a walk. You know, it's it's that time that you can take for yourself, because when you're running a business, the kind of entrepreneur, solopreneur that we're talking about, it's great to make those business goals, but at the same time, you have to make your personal goals as well, because your personal goals tie into your business goals. Yeah. And I mean, even in those times where you're like, I'll just take the half day. I don't know about you, but I used to be a competitive cyclist and all the best ideas would come when I was on my bike mm-hmm. away from anything to write with. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a matter of letting that part of your brain have a moment, have some space so that other good ideas can come in. And totally. so you, you may keep, I think part of the challenge of getting over that hump is that we keep telling ourselves we're not doing anything. And that's not productive. And and I would ask, maybe that's one of the most important things you can do as the CEO of your business is to take that time so that you have space and time mm-hmm. to think and let the other good ideas come in because you may find a new or better way to do something that 
will make you even more money or right. help you help more people. Right, right. Or a newer, better way that allows you to not work as much, to do more, to do more with less. And and if you if you if your goal is to be part of your community to help a lot of people, then how wonderful is that? Um, okay, so let me before we move on to what the predictions, what we think twenty twenty four is going to bring. Can you recap minimalist marketing for us and for the listeners? Okay, so minimalist marketing is basically using leverage to attract new people into your world using other people's platforms of various media, building rapport with them, converting them from interested to invested, and then delivering amazing service, which I already know you know how to do, and evaluating the process so that you can become more efficient and effective every time that you do it. Perfect. Thank you very much, everybody. That's how you do it. That's how you wrap it up. Okay. So let's talk about predictions for 2024, right? So we're looking at maybe marketing. Uh, let's stick with marketing, marketing slash sales. That's a whole other can of beans. Um, but for, let's say, our coaches, our consultants, our experts, what are what's happening this year? Well, I think maybe not gone, but almost gone is the year of the big influencer and content creator as a service provider. I'm not talking about the people that you look at when you just want to decompress and you just laugh at their reels or whatever. I'm talking about if you're selling a service, I think what people are looking for is small, more intimate, more personalized. They want to know who you, the person, who are you that they will be working with? I think it's going to be more personalized. It's going to be not just telling about your expertise, but also if you can, showing a bit of your life. That said, I'm also starting to see uh, some faceless brands because over the last three years or so, some people have built their entire brands off of them themselves and they haven't figured out how to like turn it off. Mm -hmm. And so some people are starting to say, I'm going to build this whole business and it's going to have nothing to do with me or my face. So I think we're going to see both of those sides. The consumer wants to know who they're getting into this relationship with. And then there's some of the business owners that are like, I can't do the personal brand anymore because they don't know how to turn it off. So I think mm -hmm. that's what we're going to see a lot of. I think we're seeing already seeing the the buying cycles can be longer because people are a little more squeamish. Mm -hmm. But that at the same time, though, when your messaging is dialed in and you're super clear about who exactly you're serving and more importantly, that more importantly, the outcome that they're going to get, there's no more general selling or selling through celebrity like people want to know what am I going to get? Mm -hmm. When I give you this money, mm -hmm. um, the more specific you can be with that, I think it uh, that's going to be what sales selling outcomes. And then I think also borrowing other people's credibility, meaning if you've been referred by somebody, that's also going to be what helps shorten the buy in cycle mm -hmm. when somebody yeah, else sense. vouches for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. Well, those are great predictions. Um, and like you said, some of this is 
things that you're already seeing. And it's, it's, you know, February, right? So this is like, it's, we're in the beginning of the year here. Um, so I, I love it. What do you, what is your best advice for, um, let's say a healthcare provider who is, is stepping out of the clinician role and moving into, um, the coaching world or, cause I know that's what you did. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. so what is your best advice for, uh, those clinicians so they can learn from what you've done to be successful? Ooh, I wouldn't change where I am now because I, that would be arguing with reality. And so that causes suffering, but what I have found and what I see in the people that take off the fastest mm-hmm. is especially if they go into coaching, like you go get a life or a health coach certification. Mm -hmm. If you leverage the experience and the expertise that you have right now, those clients take off the fastest. Why? Because part, people don't understand when you become a coach, part of it is the, the skill of coaching. The other part is the business of coaching. And so if you're already leveraging the experience and the expertise you have as a, a healthcare pl- practitioner, then you have less mental drama to overcome mm-hmm. because you already know that you know what you're talking about in terms of working with clients. You're just adding the tools or the skill of coaching to it, as opposed to what I've seen be disastrous for people over the last three years in particular is they're like, I'm burned out with healthcare. Forget this. I'm going to be a coach. Forget that I was a doctor, a PT or whatever. I'm just going to be a coach. That is my friend. Don't do it. I mean, you can do it. It's your life, but (laughs) it's like they, then they freak out because I don't know about you, Karen, but I remember, Ooh, 2001 crying to my mom every day. I had a degree Mm-hmm. I had passed the licensure exam and I was freaking out because I was like, I think they made a mistake. I don't know what I'm doing. People aren't getting better. It was just too much. So if you could imagine with all those years of training and having passed a national licensure exam mm-hmm. to be freaked out like that and crying to my mom every day for the first 90 days and they're still feeding me patients, right? So like you have, you can cry after work, but during work, get those patients seen. hmm when you start your own business, you are responsible also for figuring out how to go get those patients. And if you take that leap of faith and you're living off your savings or whatever the case is, that is a lot mm-hmm. for your nervous system to handle. And so yeah. again, the people that take off the fastest and I think have a, a easier time make they become successful faster are the ones that leverage all of that experience and expertise they have. It took me so long to get to the level that I am right now as a coach, because I pivoted so far away from my area of expertise. And I Mm -hmm. had to like, I now finally have the 10,000 hours as a business coach, as a life coach, as all of these things. And I had to fight through that. And it took longer because I had to figure out how to go get the clients as opposed to when I started out of school, I could sometimes see, you know, 18, 21 patients a day. Sure. 
So it's just, I just see, it's just a lot for people to take yeah. on all of the things that you have to learn how to do and be proficient at, not excellent, but even just proficient at mm -hmm. to, to make your business go. It's just too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, what, what helps me is thinking like, I don't have to be a hundred percent at everything, but I have to be like 52% good at everything. I love that. Right. Like I don't have to be a hundred percent. I have to be 98% at everything but I should be about 52% good at everything and then can be 80 to 90% at one or two things, you know? And then that's probably where the coaching comes in to help you with the rest of those, to bring up the rest of your percentages, you know? Yeah. And it's, I mean, I it's hard. Yeah. I mean, and I think it also depends, like depending on who you talk to, some people want you to bolster your weaknesses and others like, forget all of that, just focus on your strengths. And so I think it it takes knowing where you are, knowing mm -hmm. what your goals are, knowing, mm -hmm. you know, knowing where you're going to determine, okay, do I actually need to bolster these weaknesses or can I lean in on those strengths? It being, mm -hmm. We have the resources of time, money, and energy. So which ones do you want to use? If you have plenty of money right now, maybe it will behoove you to invest in someone who that's their skill set. So maybe you can run a little bit faster. That said, you still need to be able to understand, are they doing a good job? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, what are they doing? Are they doing a good job? You know, that kind of thing. So it's, right. a, it's a number of things to consider. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you so much. Now, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you or if they want to work with you? Oh, that makes me giggle so hard because you already <laughs> did it for me. But if you are interested in learning about minimalist marketing, say maybe you have one of those or you want to have a boutique mm -hmm. lifestyle business, I always tell people slide into my DMs first on Instagram because I love talking to people. You can always find me there. Um, we talked about how do you get onto other people's platforms and using your network or how do you build a network? If you want to, you can go to tavanadenise.com forward slash get referral ready. And so that you'll know exactly what you need to have in place for anyone to be able to refer you or to collaborate with you. So that's what I would recommend. Perfect. And just so everyone knows, regardless of where you're listening or watching on YouTube, if you go to the show notes, we will have uh, one clicks to everything. So to tavanadenise.com slash get referral ready to her Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and website. So everything will be there one click and it'll take you right to every, uh, every one of your amazing resources. So I know you've been on here before, but I'm going to ask the question again. And knowing where you are now in your life and career, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Although we just heard a little bit of when you first came out of PT school, but let's go a little earlier. I would say have more fun. Mm. Have more fun. <laughs> life is not that serious. Have more fun. And I think trust the nudges. Trust the instincts to... I don't know why I feel compelled to go this way, but let's just do it and see. That's what mm -hmm. I would say to my younger self. I love that. Trust the nudges. That's great. Don't second get your do do not keep second guessing yourself. 
and just go for it if it's a fit. Um, so Tavana, thank you so much for coming on. What a wonderful interview. It's so good to see you again. And, you know, hey. now that you're down in Mexico, living the good life on the beach, um, if I am ever in Mexico, I will let you know ahead of time. Please do. I will. Thank you so much for coming on. I I appreciate you and all of the great tips that you shared for our audience. And of course, and everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.